0: God is good all the time. One thing, you know, I think we have to be careful of is that we don't speak against the church. You know, there are people out there that believe a little different. The reason I mentioned that man, 83 years old, called into the radio station. He said, well, you know, he said, I believe what the Bible says is we need to worship on the Sabbath, which he perceived to be Saturday." And rather than to criticize him for seeing things a little differently than me, I just pointed out a church that he should seek out that would would be like that. You know, I think of the disciples as they came to the Lord. And they said, we found people speaking in your name, and we told them to follow us because they felt like they were the only legitimate group and 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 because they wouldn't they rebuke them and jesus says no he said if they if they're if they're forced they're not against us if they're speaking in my name leave them alone and, and let them preach the gospel you know and we're finding a lot when i look on youtube such anger divisions one against another and 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 i want you to know son, that's not the way of the lord the bible said a house divided cannot stand and when people are spending all of their time arguing their differences and and trying to 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 paint the other one a uh, uh, dark, you know what? We're called to overcome and to be uh, as ambassadors for Jesus. You know, if we were busy doing what God called us to do, we'd be too busy. Is that not right? We'd be we'd be too busy uh to uh to be picking at someone else the bible says this he said he said uh, pick the beam out of your own eye before you pick the splinter out of your brother's eye A- and so often you know what he's saying there he said examine yourself first and and i'm going to ask uh, uh, who who here has attained has attained paul said i do not preach as if i've already attained he said i got plenty to work on amen but he said, I do press for the mark. I do uh, look for the high calling of Jesus Christ. And that's what we should be aiming for. And I'll tell you, when you aim for him, the world will become obscure to you. I want to turn, if we would, in the Bible, First Kings chapter 17. I want to begin with verse 8. Now I've preached on this many times. I think i preached about every text many times over the many years. But I really hope we can glean something from this message this morning. And it goes on to say this and I want to read just a little. It says here in verse 8 of 2nd Kings chapter 1st uh, Kings chapter 17 1 Kings Chapter 17, verse 8, it said, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Now, first of all, we need to realize that he was at the at the brook because he was running from Jezebel. Uh, So he he uh, was trying to find a place to hide. You know, sometimes we just want to get away. Well, what God did is he dried up the brook. How I many know that when he's done, ready to move you, he'll dry up what's around you that keeps you comfortable. I think of Jonah when he found comfort under that gourd. And God called worm to come into the, to the gourd and to, and to kill the gourd. And so what we realize in that is, and, and you know, Jonah, he cried over that gourd. And God was angry with him and said, why would you cry over a gourd, but yet you would not weep over Nineveh? Why, why would you not have a heart uh, for the people? You know, and sometimes I think we get self-centered, focused on self, and we take more uh, uh, sorrow in our losses, you know, immediate or whatever, rather than to weep like Jesus did over the world. The Bible said Jesus looked over Jerusalem and they were in the Passover phase. And the Bible said he wept. And he said, Father, only if they knew who was among them. And God says for us to be like him and to have his heart to do the work of the Lord. I think one of the things that we find, and I'll, I'll begin to read, is that in the church is that the only ministry is a pulpit ministry. And somehow, if we're called to ministry, that's what we do. I want you to know this right now. Every one of you are ministers. Every one of you are called of God according to his purpose. You are the elect, the ecclesia, the called out of the Lord. And each one of us, and we're going to find here that there's a couple of characters that are going, and we're going to see their ministry. First of all, it says in verse eight, is it, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, talking about Elijah, uh, Elijah. And he says, arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon and dwell there. Behold, I have command. I have commanded a woman uh, there to sustain thee. And he rose and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God... God liveth. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal, and in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and and die." And Elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to me and after make uh, thee uh, make for thee and thy son for thus saith the Lord God of Israel the barrel of meal shall not waste neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth and she went and did according as the as the saying of Elijah and she and he and her house did eat for many days think about that and the barrel of meal wasted not, or should I say it was never empty, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I'm going to tell you something right now. The word of the Lord is true. The word of the Lord is true. Whenever we, our minds, contradict what God's word says, the Bible said, let the man be a liar and let God be true. I'm going to tell you what, sometimes you've got to look in the mirror and say, you know, you're a big liar because the word of God contradicts what you just said. The Word of God contradicts what you feel. The Word of God contradicts how you act. Amen? The Word of God is true. And the Bible said all those that will believe in the Word shall do miraculous things. We can do those things because God has already spoken them for us. That woman had already been spoken by God before the man of God even came to her. When we look at uh, Elijah holds in his hand, um, you know, uh, that he had had graduated from the dry brook. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Sometimes we've got to go to the brook that God dries up. Now you said and I've said earlier that many people in the Christendom are waiting for their ship to come in. How many of you have said Lord how long shall I tarry and Lord God when will these things come to pass and I want you to know something that God said I've already done it and you can look around and say I don't see it. He said because you're looking with the wrong eyes. You're not looking by the eyes of the spirit you're looking through the natural But God said, "I will tell you that if you will look to the spiritual eye, you shall see what I've already done. I've overcome the world. I've conquered the world," says the Lord. And the and I want you to know, as Elisha and his servant and his servant said, "Alas, Master, we are doomed," because he looked in the natural. And Elisha said lord open my servant's eyes that he might see and when the lord opened his eyes he looked and he saw chariots of fire and he saw angels all about him and in a 360 degree compass he was surrounded by the glory of god i'm going to tell you right now you are surrounded by the glory of the lord While he was there, God sent ravens to feed him, not, not an unclean bird. You know, sometimes uh, we we wait because we have a preconceived idea of, of how God's going to work. <coughs> and all of a sudden, a nasty old raven shows up. We're saying, Lord, at least you could have sent a dove. You, you know, uh, and, and, and we, we realize that God even used that old raven... To bring him meat, and where did he get the meat? Off of the king's table. I'm going to tell you this right now: that he'll take it off the devil's table. He'll take. He'll take what was uh, meant for the the that which is in the world and he will bring it even unto you and we need to say lord god i know that you're able to sustain me you see you can't come to this famine you can't face what this woman's going through unless you've faced the dry brook unless you've been through it yourself Unless you've had to come to a place where maybe you had to retreat because the enemy just seemed so fear. And you, you've just said, Lord, I'm here. And, and maybe it's for uh, several years uh, or, or maybe it's, it's for a few months. I, I know it was years with Elijah that he was there by that by that brook. But what we need to understand and realize is that that's when we have patience. The Bible said, with patience, ye, your soul. Lord God, I trust you. I know, Lord God, that you, that you know what's best for me. And, and that's what it really comes down to. I say that so often to people when they're going through situations. Yesterday on the radio, we talked about grief. We talked about going through hardship when you lose a loved one, when you lose somebody. And you know what? The, the thing we may say is, why, Lord, why? And you know something? There is no answers for that. All we we can do is trust him. Lord, I trust you. How many of you trust him this morning? Even though things may not be going exactly as you think they should be going, know this one thing, God has already overcome the world. He's overcome the enemy in your life. He's already seen the end of what he's begun. Hallelujah. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is in the beginning. He is also already in the end, amen. And we can know that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but lo I'm with you always, even unto the unto the unto the end. Yet when God speaks to Elijah, it is to send him to another situation of difficulty. Let that sink in just for a minute. Finally, the Lord comes after some time, and he speaks to him. How many of us want to hear from the Lord? You say, how many of you have said that, Lord, I want to hear from you? Well, I want you to know something. When we hear from him, uh, good chances are we're going to be sent into another situation of difficulty because on this earth amen we will have tribulation on this earth we will have difficulty but god said i sent you into the world like like lambs among wolves and lions i've sent you into the world and commissioned you says the lord and this is our day of overcoming in this world that we live in this is never meant to be heaven you know and and, and you can you can alter the scripture Or should I say, you can choose scriptures that says that you live, you know, uh, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be overwhelmed with goodness and and all these things. But I want you to know something: you are, but it may not be the way you think. One thing you're going to find out about this woman is that her barrel was never full. How many of you have run run around in your car on empty? And you've said, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can stand this. I want to see a full tank. And we find here sometimes God said, but no, I don't work that way. Because if I filled the tank, you wouldn't be talking to me anymore. Come on, let's be honest. In all honesty, when do we talk to him? Usually it's when we are having difficulty. And that's when we come to him, amen? And the thing that we find is that God is saying, no, I've got you right where I want you. How many of you believe you're right where God wants you right now? So he sends him to another difficulty. The prophet's training isn't over yet. How many know your training's not over yet? Look at your friend and say, my training's not over yet. God is creating a man of God. I'm going to tell you this right now. God is creating men and women of God. See, we're training for reigning. We're going through the the simulated, what God considers a simulated war. It may seem real to you, but God said, I want you to know something. I've already overcome the enemy. But I want you to know this. that I'll be with you. And the process is not easy or quick. Elijah may have graduated from the dry book brook, but he is about to enroll in a whole new trial. God broke the prophet's flesh. He taught Elijah to depend upon God. At Zarephath, God would break Elijah's pride. Let me tell you this right now. Could you imagine going to somebody that was ready to die and had just a little meal, and and you said, give it to me? You see, that would break your pride. God's not interested in my pride. He's not interested in your pride. God is interested in your being, what he calls you and wants you to be. We, uh, God intends to use this man in a mighty way. And when we get to chapter 18, we see why God puts the prophet through such rigorous training. Why? Because he's about to face Ahab. He's about to face the prophets uh, of of Baal. He's about to go to Mount Carmel. He's about to challenge the the prophets of Baal. And he says, you build your altar, I'll build mine. And he said, and we'll see whose God is real. I'm going to tell you something right now. Those gods that the world worships are not real gods. I think of Dagon when, uh, when the, uh the philistines had captured the ark of the covenant because hezekiah uh, i mean i mean because of uh, eli wasn't living right and they went to battle the ark of the covenant was taken and they took that ark of the covenant and they put it in their temple to add to their god dagon and the bible said in the morning they came out and dagon had fallen down before the ark of the covenant his head and his arm and his hands were broke off i'm going to tell you this right now there is no God that even lights a candle to the God of heaven. He is the only God. Amen. He intends to use this man in a mighty way. How many know He intends to use you in a mighty way? So often we have the mentality that I'm just going to wait until Jesus comes. God said, I didn't call you here. He said, if that was the purpose, I'd have taken you a long time ago. He said, I've planted you in the world, the world and you will, you'll see that in Scripture. Now, with that in mind, there are times when it seems that our trials come back to back to back to back. That is, it seems that before our trial can come to an end, another begins. You ever feel that way? It's like, oh my Lord, I just got through this or I'm not even quite through this and something else is arising. Well, I want you to know you're going through training and you're training for reigning. It seems that before our trial can come to an end, another one begins. When these times come, we may be tempted to question the Lord as to what He is doing. Simply put, don't despair. God is getting you in a position where you he can use you of these things. Amen. Is is the batteries. And if someone wants to come help me with batteries. I, I've got batteries here. And I will uh do that. It seems like we've got technical problems this morning. And, uh, and that's fine. I think I was just talking about trials and tribulations. We're going to go ahead and take that here. Thank you very much for that. Amen. But I want to talk about a fresh path. In verse 8, We see this, and I'm going to read it real quick. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, As Elijah sat there beside the dried-up brook, it must have felt like he had been abandoned, but God had not forgotten Elijah. I'm going to tell you what, God's not forgotten. You ever feel abandoned? You, You ever feel like, you know, I've just been sitting here, and I think God has overlooked me. I've gone through times like that. I had a pastor that was a mentor one time uh, um, to me, and, and, and he said, I want you to know something, Bob. God hasn't forgotten where you are. You know what we do when we think God's forgotten us is we, we sometimes will run out in despair trying to find him so we can tell, let him know where we are. Well, one of the things you need to realize is when you feel that you're going through a dry time, it's time to sit and wait. Amen. Amen. When people get lost, usually they make it much more difficult when they don't leave. Usually people will find where you started to be lost, uh, but they won't find you. Why? Because you've wandered and and you've gone. And, you know, that's why we need to be patient um, with the Lord. Amen. Uh, So, you know, I think of many times in my life that I felt like the Lord had um, the the Lord had uh, forgotten about me thank you God is good all the time amen thank you Lord I'll get my mind back here but in verse 9 just the beginning of that verse it arise and get thee to Zarephat, which belongeth to Zidon and what we see in that, is that as it as thou, uh, I think of, uh, and I want to get ahead of myself, Elijah's going to have to walk a hundred miles across territory ruled by Ahab, who was looking everywhere for Elijah to kill him. You know, sometimes God makes us, well, Lord, that doesn't seem wise. That's when, remember when Jesus, uh, we just uh, preached it during this uh Uh, resurrection uh, season how that jesus went up to jerusalem and even his own disciples said lord don't you realize that they're waiting to kill you Uh, sometimes the lord will lead us into things and in our natural mind it seems like lord that seems like the wrong way it's not the way that i should go but that's where god sends us when he sends us into the world. And I want to read this John 17, 18. It said, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. Let me tell you something right now. He has sent us into the world because he said, I've overcome the world, but I want you to occupy it. I want you to believe God. I remember one time uh, we went to a mall to pass out tracts. And they said, "You can't do that. This is private property." And my pastor said, "Go tell him your father owns it." <laughs> I guess technically that that was that was right, uh, but the fact of it is, is you know, um, we're, we're called into this world. We're not we're not called yet out of it. But I look at the challenge. Notice again, Elijah is told to dwell there. He is to uh, uh, is told. To dwell there, he is to go to Zarephat and say unto, until, and stay until he received further instruction. you see God, as I told you in verse eighteen of first Kings uh, uh, chapter eighteen, should I say of first Kings, God is about to do a very phenomenal thing, so, uh, something that we all know about, something I just mentioned a, a while ago, but you know he could not just send him there, he had to get him ready. He had to get him ready. I want you to know that God's getting you ready. And you need to trust him. Lord, I trust you. You have called me into this world in such a time as this, Lord God. And I know that the Lord will do it again. Lord God, you You uh, healed the, the sick. You raised the dead. You did those great things. You've overcome death. And Lord God, I want to stand in those very promises uh, that you've given even unto me. Uh, this day. But I want to talk about the comfort. When Elijah gets the command, he does not hesitate. He simply obeys. And when he arrives at his appointed destination, God shows him who it is that he has appointed to care for his needs. I'm going to tell you this right now. God can appoint somebody uh, that will take care of your needs that may not necessarily have the resources to do it. But he's also training them. And so what I'm telling you here is that God, that that Elijah was not only the agent of God, but so was this woman. And what that shows you is that behind this secret death or behind this pulpit is not the only ministry. Every one of us have given to ministry. Every one of us. I think of this woman. She's a Gentile woman. A, a woman that the, the that all of the um israelites would look down upon but God said I'm I'm going to I'm going to lift her up I'm going to work through her in second corinthians 10:6 it said uh, and having a readiness to uh, ra- Revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let me tell you what. You want to overcome all disobedience? Then fulfill the obedience that is within you. I'll tell you this right now. We need to be obedient to the Lord. We need to say, Lord God, I want to see uh, all the disobedience around me. Even in my own life, I want to see it overcome. But he said it will only be overcome by the obedience that is fulfilled in you. That you trust me. That you do as I've asked you to do. And I want you to know this. That if we would by faith. And I'm going to tell you this is by faith. We'd be obedient to the Lord. We may not see it fully. But we can trust that God is able to do it. I think of a promise in, in 12 through 15. It's a doubt. When Elijah asks for bread, the widow fear, widow's fear is brought to the surface. God has already commanded her to care for his prophet. But she's trapped in fear and faithlessness. She has her eyes on the circumstance and not on him who controls the circumstance. How many times have we found ourselves in that condition? You're looking at the bill that's sitting before you. You're looking at the problem, the sickness, the illness, or whatever it is, and you begin to think, yeah, but you don't understand. You don't see it clearly. And God has said, no, it's you that don't, that doesn't see it clearly. Well, I want to talk about a New Testament event that is just like what she's going through. It says in Matthew uh, 14 and 28, it said, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come unto thee on the water. So what does he do? He says, come. And Peter begins to walk on the water. And he said, and when he saw the wind uh, uh, blustering, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried saying, Lord, save me. The thing we need to understand is God is training us to walk by faith and not by sight peter had the right desire what i'm saying if you have a desire to walk by faith god wants you to do that he wants to encourage you to do that and and the thing that we need to understand though the only way that we're going to do that is if we close out the world and put our eyes on him Lord God, I'm looking to you today. Whatever the circumstance that you're going through, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you get distracted by the troubles of this world, if you get distracted by the, the troubles even within addiction or any of those things, those things will consume you. But when you continue to put your eyes on Jesus, how do you put your eyes on Jesus? Is you become mindful of him. Amen? Amen. Maybe it's looking up some preaching on YouTube. Maybe it's just singing some songs and praising the Lord. Maybe it's getting out there and just begin to focus on Him. And God said, if you will do that, you will overcome in the circumstance that you face. But if you begin to look at the circumstance, it will swallow you up. Someone says, well, I I want uh, deliverance from drugs. Well, you know how you get deliverance from drugs? Keep your eyes stayed upon him. You say, Lord Jesus, I look to you, the author and the finisher of my faith. I trust you, Lord. And I'm going to tell you, when you go through battles in your mind, many times what happens is, is you just detest. That's a pretty strong word. You detest the Bible, or the preaching of the word, you begin to, to shield yourself from that. You know what you're doing? You're beginning to back off so that you can go to the left and go into the thing that you despise. Poor, we need to fill our hearts with the word of God. He said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Oh, Lord God, that I may know you. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. How many of us believe that we can walk on the troubled waters? How many of us believe? You say, but pastor, you don't know my story. See, that's your problem is your story. The problem with with us is our story. Well, how about his story? How about saying, Lord God, not my will, but thine be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that what Jesus said? Didn't he say, be as I am? I told the church, I have told you this before, that the church, I believe, is in a Gethsemane way right now. We're coming to a place where we want it our way. That's what Burger King says. Have it your way. Hold the pickles. Hold the lettuce. Special orders won't upset us. And what we do is we bring that into the church. And, and then all of a sudden the church is here to serve me. Well, I don't get anything out of the church. I don't get anything. Well, they don't have this program or that program. I'm going to tell you what. If you're seeking programs, you'll never find the Lord. Because the Lord is not programs. If you're seeking for something that soothes you and makes you comfortable and makes you right. I've had people come and say, well, I don't like the song service. I said, well, it's too bad. The song service wasn't for you. The song service was for Jesus. And how many knows, no matter how you sing, that, that he has a great equalizer and it's pleasant to his ear, whether it is to yours or not. We've turned our song services into concerts that please the audience rather than to worship the Lord. And what we need to understand and realize is it's not about you. And that's the problem in this, in this world. is It's all about me. You were born that way, but God doesn't want you to stay that way. Every baby will say it's all about me. you got to love me. While I spit my food out and make it hard for you, mama, and slap things and make a mess and and do things. It's all about me. See, that's how you're born. But God said, I want you to have a new birth. I want you to come to a new birth. I want you to come to a birth where it's no longer about you, but it's about me. And he said, He that seeks to save his life shall lose it, but he that will lose his life for my sake, he said, the same shall find that life. It's not about pampering. I'll tell you, the more we pamper the flesh, the more we want. Kind of like a diet, isn't it? You go on, you go on a disciplined journey and dieting, and and all of a sudden you lose interest in, in the sweets, but then all of a sudden you pick one up, and guess what it does? It begins to talk to you a little bit louder. And so you eat another one, and all of a sudden the voice just seems to get a little bit louder. And the reason for it is it's leading you into a trap, it's leading you into the flesh. It's leading and the devil says, well, you know, if you just have one cigarette, you know, it will just satisfy that and it'll be all over. And all of a sudden, you said, I've gone six months without a cigarette. I've kind of lost a taste for it. But all of a sudden, I'm feeling this hankering. And I think if I just take a couple of puffs, I've got a half of one in my ashtray. It's been sitting there for a while. And, and, and I'm going to take it out and smoke it. And, and then all of a sudden, what do you find? You find that urge becomes greater. And all of a sudden, it leads you into a trap. And then you end up in a place where you say, Lord God, why did I allow that to happen in my life? I'll tell you, because you got your eyes off of him. got to keep your eyes stayed on you've got to have a discipline that's what the word disciple means and it takes a discipline to keep your eyes on him and especially when you start feeling the urge to watch anything but something christian all of a sudden a voice comes over you and says you know you've got enough of that time to watch a little john wayne Time, time to do something like this, or, or something like that, or something a little bit more entertaining. And I want you to know that's how the enemy comes, and he begins to soothe you, he begins to relax you, he begins to, you know, uh, and, and that's what happens, people. You know, they come into the church, and they, and I, you don't know how many times over thirty-three years of pastoring, I've heard people say, "Well, I don't get anything out of that." How many know we should come to worship? We should come to give. And that's the thing. We've turned everything upside down. Everybody wants to get something. I want you to know something. We're in this world to be obedient to the Lord, and we may be led from trial to trial. You may go from the dried up brook to the woman who had just a little meal and a little oil, and and she may serve you even though she's not capable, but God's going to do a miracle because he's getting you ready for Mount Carmel. He's getting you ready for some real big stuff. But he said, I can't send you to the big stuff if you can't even get over the little stuff. Paul said, having the desire to give you the meat, he said, you, you, you need the, the milk. Why? Because you're not growing the way God wants us to grow. many I mean, no, we're called into the, into the body of Christ to grow, not hang around. We we come and 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 we just say, Well, I'm just gonna sit here until Jesus comes. God said I didn't call you to sit until I come. I called you to be to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this last day, and to be willing to obey to the commands that I give you. Thank you, Lord. Elijah hears the woman's sob story It makes what appears to be the coldest demand of the entire Bible. I, I, I really, I, it's every time I see that, every time I see that, I think of the woman with the mite. She just had, and, and Jesus was there, and when she threw her mite and didn't make any noise against that brass horn, none at all. But she gave, and he said, this woman's given more than they all. He said, what do you mean? Haven't you heard the ringing of that horn? Don't you know that some real heavy, clunky coins have been thrown in there? This woman uh, throws this little wooden uh, nickel in that isn't worth much and doesn't even make a noise. And you're saying she gave more? He said, because she gave out of her need. Now, Jesus didn't run up and grab her hand and say, don't you dare give that, my poor dear Don't you know you're going to have to pay your rent? He didn't do that. Because you know why? Jesus knew my father will give her her heart's desire because, or he'll give her what she needs because she trusts him. That woman had to trust him to give all that she had. We need to learn to trust him. We need to know that God will not leave you nor forsake you. What shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Let me me just share this in Mark 10 and 21. Remember uh, that a man comes to him and says, How can I enter the kingdom? How can I have eternal life? And this is what Jesus said. He said, And Jesus beholded him, loved him, And he said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast. He didn't say half, a third, a quarter. He said everything, everything that you have. And give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. I mean, this doesn't seem like... Uh, this would preach well in the church today, because because in the church today we need to pacify. You know, you know we get we got to find programs and things, and, and 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 I'm not saying the programs are evil. I'm not saying that you know that that's evil, but when that becomes the center, then it replaces Jesus. He said, then come and take up thy cross and follow me. And the Bible said in verse 22, it says, And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Never said that he returned. Jesus was asking him, not only do I want you to go and do it, but I want you to come again and take up your cross and follow me. In other words, become one of mine The Bible said it's easier for a rich man, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And so, what we have to understand in this is that when we come, we must come and trust him. When I went into pastoring, um, you know, first the, the little church I had, um, some days nobody showed up. but That was fine. But it was my first ministry and important to me. And then after that, I was commissioned to another church. It was, it was a much larger church. And I was a machinist, and I made good money, and I knew that I had to quit everything that I was familiar with to follow what the Lord had. And there were times, I'll tell you, that I suffered. We went through one situation where a man uh, that was in the church, um, you know, rose up against us, and, and, he, and he split the church, and... And, and which was very unfortunate, but, but those things sometimes can happen. But what we realized, and then later, because the church could not long, any longer afford to give me any type of a salary to, to live on, and we've always lived meagerly, believe me, um, but they could give me no salary to live upon. And uh, I remember being out there building sidewalks. I think I was about 33 years old. And I physically was not ready to build. Let me say, you, sidewalks are hard in construction to build, all handwork. And I'm out there, my feet are hurting, and I am suffering. And I watch the guy that split the church go by and beep his horn with glee on his face, saying, That's where you belong, buddy. You, know, you go through things. But I want you to know the Lord is in that because He's training us. He's training us. Amen? He's training us. I wanted to quit. I remember when I left that church. I said, Lord, "I said to my wife, I said I'm going to become a cop, and I'm and because my cousin Pooch was a cop, and I said I'm going to become a police officer, and I'm going to stake out church parking lots and write tickets out to every one of them." I wasn't in the greatest of moods, and we moved back. My mother lent me the money to buy to run a U-Haul to to. to Go back. Did I ever pay you back? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm thinking about that now. But anyhow, she lent us the money to move back to Naples and and I'm I'm there and I'm just totally beside myself about ministry. I'd had enough. And my wife said, Yep, that's true, Bob. I I'm gonna accept that. But she said, "This one thing, you have a You've already bought your reservation. You already got your reservations for a ministers' conference in Connecticut, and I think you should go to that. I said, I don't want to go. She says, Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'll accept you're quitting the ministry only if you go to that conference. <laughs> and so what did I do? I I went down. I took a bus out of Portland and went down to the con- conference. And while I was there, I was talking with uh, uh, Paul Bernard. Some of you may know him. And I met him; never known him before. And we we're talking. And he said, "You know," he said, "There's a church up there in Auburn." He said, "I think their pastor just walked out on them and and moved, and they have no pastor." And and I thought, "Wow, that's really weird." And he, Paul even gave me a ride back to Naples. A very gracious man. And uh, and then. Uh, I said that to my wife. She said, well, let's go over and look in the window. And we look in the window. It's this church here. I've been here almost thirty years, and I haven't passed out one ticket to a, to <laughs> to to a believer yet. <laughs> but you know, we go through things. We go through hurt. We go through difficulty. We go through despair. We go th- you, you know what I mean? He said to that man, he says, go and, and sell all you have. Give it all to the poor and then take up your cross and follow me. That's what the ministry is all about. It's not glamorous. I think of one pastor one time, it, he had a young man that really wanted to be an assistant pastor. It was a large church. In fact, they had a bus ministry, about 200 buses. I mean, it was a mega, a big church. And this young man, uh, finally, it was his turn to become an assistant. You know, he was set forth in the church, and he's going to become assistant. And he came that Monday morning with his suit on, and he was all glee to, you know, be part of the ministry. And and, and uh, the pastor, well, do you have any overalls or anything? And he says, uh, no. He said, well, I hope you don't get dirty. I want you to go out and fill all 200 buses with fuel for Sunday. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. I mean, have you ever felt that way? Like, you know... Uh, um, you know i 'm going to be in this glamorous situation of that, and you only find out that there 's no glamour in any of it there isn 't it 's washing the feet of the people around you, and that 's what the church needs to, needs to learn and the church and I say as as a whole. You know what we've treated churches uh, is uh, we come there on Sunday to get something so we can go back and live on it all week, and then we come back on Sunday to get something again. And, and, and what happens in that is that it becomes a vicious cycle, and it actually doesn't produce anything. When the Lord said, I need to be, I need to be about the Lord's business, and that's what that woman had to learn, to be about the Lord's business. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. But it doesn't withhold what he knows you need. And what you need might not feel like love. That man, though Jesus loved him, the words that Jesus spoke, he didn't feel too lovey in them. He, he didn't feel too, too, too warm with those words. I'm going to tell you this right now. When God speaks, he doesn't speak to make us feel rosy and fuzzy. He speaks because he wants to do something within each and every one of us. In Psalms 1830, uh, he goes on to say uh, this, that for as the Lord, for as uh, As for God, his way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that will trust him. And the word buckler in the Hebrew, uh, you can find it in the Strongs, is 04043. It is majin, and it means a shield or a protector. In other words, that when we trust the word of God, he becomes our shield and our protector. We need to trust him today. It involves enlightenment. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. She, uh, uh, she gets a direct word from God concerning her situation. She has God's word that he will take care of. her. I'm going to tell you, you have God's word that he will take care of you. We can say there's famine coming. God said, I don't care what you see coming. I am responsible for my sheep. See, the good shepherd will lay his life down for his sheep. A good shepherd will still the waters by the water brook that the sheep can drink. Do you know that sheep can't drink moving water? And so what the shepherd would do is he'd lay against the, uh, uh, across the brook that it would dam it up and that it would still the water so that the sheep could drink that water. See, that's what the Lord is. He said, I am with you, and I want you to know something. Whatever it is you may face, like this woman, this was a famine that these people faced. She wasn't prepared for it, more than anyone was. But God provided for her, just like he will you. He may not fill the barrel. He may not fill the cruise of oil, but he will sustain you in the midst of it. God said, "I try me and see if I'm not faithful. God wants us to be faithful, faithful, should I say. The grace of it, because the widow obeyed the Lord and fed Elijah, God allowed the widow and her son plenty to eat while hundreds around them starved to death. You see, sometimes we go through difficulties like that, and we say, oh, Lord, if it be possible, let this famine... Past for me, but you know those people starving to death, they'll probably looking at her and saying, hey, what does she got that we don't? And maybe some turn to the Lord because of it. And I've got so much more that I'd like to share with you. But I want you to know that when I look at the glory of the glory of the story is that the barrel of meal and the crews of oil were never full but yet there was always enough maybe you don't have everything you think you need right now maybe you don't have a million dollars in the bank i promise if you did you'd up your spending if you did you'd up your spending that's what people do they make $40,000, they spend 40000 They make $100,000, they spend 100000 And usually even more. That's what credit cards are. Credit cards are spending what you don't have. And that's called greed. But I'm telling you, we need to stop t- t- turning to uh, um, discover and start discovering Jesus and saying, Lord, I know that you're able to do. And I wanted to tell a story here about George Mueller. George Mueller was one that was a, he was a, a drinker, he was a thief. Uh, he'd lived a life um, of sin. And he went to prison only to learn more on how to steal effectively and how to do effect, you know, and do those evil things. But when he found the Lord, God all of a sudden caused a compassion to come within him for the orphans. You see, God will bring compassion into your life, and that and that compassion God can use to help people. And you know, and thousands and thousands of orphans were taken off the street because of the faithfulness of George Mueller. And let me tell you this right now: there were times when the, there was a time when the children sat at at, at breakfast. And, and some of you know the story. They sat at breakfast. He had no idea what they were going to eat, but he told them to sit down anyway. And that night at Baker, uh, and George Mueller, he prayed all night. Lord, we don't have anything to feed the children. Lord, you're able. God, I trust you. And all of a sudden, he got a knock at the door that morning while the children were sitting at breakfast. And that knock, and a baker said, I couldn't sleep all night. And God woke me early and he said, I want you to go and I want you to bake bread and take it to the orphanage. And he said, and here I am. And then after he had taken all the bread that was more than enough to feed the children, a knock again came at the door. And it was the milkman. He said, my truck broke down outside and they say they can't tow it away full. I have to empty it. Is there any and Do you know anyone that could use milk? But he said, time after time after time. He saw the Lord move. So what we need to understand, I think of Faith School of Theology, one of, their, uh, one of the things about Faith School is that they didn't believe in providing anything for the students because they said, if we provide it, then you're going to look at us. They said, you need to pray it in. If they needed a toothpaste, they were taught to pray it in. If they needed a bar of soap, they were taught to pray it in. And I'll tell you, a bar of soap might not sound like much, but when you don't have any soap, it becomes pretty important. How many of you have ever gone to d- do your dishes and found out that uh oh, it becomes pretty important. You're just beginning to think, how can I can I use my ivory soap to do dishes? No, you, you you know you hope you don't. You might get dysentery. But what we need to understand by this is God wants to provide our every need. And what God wants to tell you today, you may be going through things, but don't be surprised. When the enemy comes in, don't be surprised, but know this one thing: he's only going to be able to do what I let him do. Trust me, and know that I am here for you. And I'm going to tell you what at Harvest Hills Church: we need to trust him. We need not look to the right or the left. We need to look to Jesus and say, Lord, I know that you're able to do it again. I know, Lord God, that that you, Lord, there'll be people that will come. Uh, that never knew you because we're going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to speak the word of God and that people that might like this woman here. She was from a country that Jezebel came from. See, Jezebel and the prophets of Baal, they all came from this very country. And so what did God do? He. And this is kind of the humor of God. Yeah, I want you to go back to the origins uh, of what you're going to later face. And I want you there. To meet this woman, and I want you uh, to, to to encourage her to obey. Amen. And he said, then he said, You're gonna deal with some greater difficulties, but you will overcome. Why? Because you've trusted me. And what I want to share with you as you stand today, thank you, Lord. I'm gonna encourage you to trust him. I guarantee you everybody has a story. Everybody has a reason. I, I don't know how many times as a pastor that I've counseled people. And all I hear from them is, but, 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 but. And what they're saying is, but you don't know my story. And I said, I don't need to know your story. I have a story. Amen? And that story is good for every single person regardless of the situation. That you've faced in your life, regardless of of, of your demographics, regardless of your upbringing, uh, you know, uh, regardless of your financial situation, I know the story, and the story is the gospel of Jesus, and He's here today. And what the Lord is saying to each and every one of us, I hear your cries and I know your desires, but you like this man that came, and he said, "How can I enter?" eternal life and he says i want you to live in this world in the discomfort that may it may cause you to trust in me maybe you're on a school board and maybe you feel discomforted god said well that means you're right where you need to be because we're going to be discomforted in this world we're going to feel that we're in the positions uh, that, that, you know, that we become the, the irritant. And I'll tell you, you will become an irritant. But the thing of it is, as God is saying, I am with you. I am standing with you. And I have eyes to see. And I thank you for your blessing. Each and every one of you, uh, whatever it is that you stand with today, that you would be willing to say, Lord, I stand with you. I'm going to ask uh, this morning if we just find a place, uh, you know, usually I'll, I will go ahead and dismiss you, but uh, I just think that there's a time where we need to say, Lord God, I surrender. God, I give it to you today. Lord, I've asked questions. I've said, Lord, why? But Lord, I need to stop asking why and just start thanking you that you love me and that you've called me for a purpose. I don't understand why I struggle with the things that I do but I don't need to know that I don't know why this famine in the land I don't know why I've only got a little meal and a, and a few sticks and a little oil I don't know why it is that I'm facing what looks like certain death where I'm going to cook a meal for my son and we're going to eat it and die I don't understand all that God didn't come and explain her situation he came to give her a way out, and that is by trusting him. And so my thought this morning is that each one of us, wherever we're at in life, whatever we're facing in life, whatever, we, whatever burden we brought, that we would say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, is this woman trusted you Lord God I trust you I know Lord God so let us just take a few moments let him know that we trust him